You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. We do the little head bop when we're listening to the intro music there. Yeah, we do. Do you all do that? You all listening? Scream (laughs) into your speakers or your AirPods if you do. Scream yes, no, maybe so. Let us know in the comments. (laughs) Have Siri draft uh, a review. Oh, it is. It, it feels poppy. It feels like something you need to, you yeah, know. Which is really saying something after, like, over 300 episodes. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. Well, anyway. Yeah. Bopping heads are doing well. I mean, how are you How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It didn't have to be this cold this morning, but it's going to be oh, real no. nice. This, you know, that, remind, that reminds me. Oh. I have a weird piece of personal news that no one needs to know about. I'm willing to share that. <laughs> It's just like... <laughs> I thought like, oh, is this going to be where you just say that and then don't share it or... <laughs> no, no, no. I've commented before about like how when when cold weather strikes, man, my extremities really go through it. Yes. It's not a good time. My Naturally. toes, I can't feel them. Yeah. My hands, numb very fast. Frostbite? <laughs> very. It's, it's concerning how fast. And every year, I kid you not, every year I will buy a big brand name pair of gloves. Something that's not too bulky that you'd have to wear for skiing because i still want to use my hands but <laughs> nevertheless doesn't matter never matters can't help can't my, it's like my hands are impervious to being warm <laughs> it is really unpleasant uh, and it's funny that i was on instagram just scrolling the explore feed and i noticed this like it's just this i don't know some meme and this guy's entire finger was like ghost white oh dear w- one th- one finger no. Like, haha, how strange. What's that about? <laughs> I don't know. I like looked at the comments. I'm like, ah, yep, that's a good joke. Saw that one coming. And then I saw someone write the word <laughs> Raynos, a possessive proper noun that's spelled in exactly the same way you'd think it would be spelled if it was French. Okay. Because it's French. Oh, of course, naturally. Um, I'm like, oh, French. that's whatever. That's interesting. Several days later, I, uh, I'm outside doing a couple things around the yard and Boy, my hands get pretty cold by the end of this. I actually am hosing off part of the, the cement slab in the back of my house. I'm like, oh, okay. Hands are hands are real cold now. I'm going to go inside, take my gloves off that don't matter. And um, <laughs> the same thing has happened. I'm like, not only can I not feel my fingers, pretty used to that at this point. I already know that happens. <laughs> but I'm like, it's ghost white. It's Renault's. Genuinely, <laughs> I've spent years. I finally, I finally know what I'm dealing with. It's it's just and it's weirdly very rare. Apparently, it's not a problem unless you have a horrid case and it gets out of hand and you actually go get frostbite. Oh. Not liable to do that. But yeah, it's just weird. It just it just has to do with like I don't know, like tissue and circulation or whatever. But so it's a condition called Raynaud's. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. I've actually looked up heated gloves to solve this problem of mine. <laughs> So I can wow. not lose a finger. That's yeah. why <laughs> I was out hosing my uh, cement blocks there. Next thing you yeah. know, boop, I'm, uh, like, I don't oh. have an index finger anymore. Yeah. Down to nine. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So weird. So weird. I would be thrilled to hear if anyone in the uh, in listening sphere is experiencing this for themselves. Mm. Yeah. And if they have gloves that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Those nice heated gloves that actually oh, man. make your otherwise impervious to warmth hands. Yeah. It's a weird look, too. It looks like something has gone wrong. Mm. It's like, I mean, ooh. yeah, probably. Yeah. If, you know. Technically something has. If there's, yeah. I mean, if there's not enough blood getting there or something, you know, it's like, yeah. that's not good. It is not ideal. You know what else is not good? Tell me what's not if good. If you don't know what God's will is. Oh, man. That's not good. We're triggering some childhood <laughs> flashbacks right now. <laughs> that hits too close. <laughs> 
What is it? Let me roll the dice, please. <laughs> oh, no. Cast lots. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All joking aside, I do think one of the most common problems that Christians encounter is desiring to know the specific yes. will of God for their lives and mm. then going down the rabbit hole when they feel like they don't know it, right? Yeah. I, I feel like I have a, a, a complicated relationship with this, and, and I'm sure that I'm not alone. I'm sure this is actually a pretty universal feeling for a lot of people. Well, actually, no. It's just you and, oh. like, three other... I'm just... That's, no. that's a, I'm sorry. That's it wasn't good. even a good joke. I was just being, you know... It wasn't even good. That wasn't even worthwhile, but... The, the, the expression you had, though. I wish this was... Yes. You know, we'll see the video there. Um, yeah, so actually, on that very note, mm-hmm. I can remember quite vividly uh, sitting in my dorm room one night, Liberty University, my junior year. So I'm in this bedroom, off-campus housing. I got my desk lamp. It's the only light on the room. So Mm. it's got this, you know, I feel like I'm in my monastic cell kind of vibe. And I buried my face in my hands and laid my head down on my little wooden desk Mm. because I was distraught trying to figure out what God's will for my life was yeah, of the specific will. Like, right, right, right. What is like the next very specific, tactical, tangible thing God wants me to do? Yeah, yeah. And I remember groaning a little prayer to the effect of, God, if you would just clearly tell me what to do, I'll gladly and eagerly do it. Yeah, of course. You know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we've all been there. Yes, yeah. But of course, you know, there's no thundering voice that comes down from heaven. No lightning splits the sky. And, of course, I went to bed distraught. But within the next day or two, one of my professors spoke straight to this dilemma without even knowing I was having one, you know, as professors (laughs) and pastors are sometimes wont to do. But he said, uh, class, if you ever wonder what God's will is for your life, then there's one place you can go where you're guaranteed to find it. Mm. So, of course, I perked up. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for this profound insight. My professor was going to finally solve my problem here. And you could probably guess where this is going. I'm afraid so. Yeah, just lifted up his Bible and said, right here in your Bible, the will of God is perfectly revealed right here in this book. I mean, that's quite a move. I, I admire the move. <laughs> and and on this side of it, I like where he's going. But in the moment, I still don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, at that moment for me, at first, it was a major disappointment yeah. because... I knew the Bible didn't speak specifically about my specific dilemma mm-hmm. in the way that I wanted it to, exactly. right? It didn't offer the exact tactical, precise answer to the very precise question I was asking. But I did come to realize what my professor meant by saying that. And of course, then realizing it actually did speak to my dilemma, just not the way I thought it would. <laughs> right. And that then changed the way I approached the Bible to this day. Oh, dang. Wow still approach it differently because of what he said. And in fact, I would say that my professor's statement perfectly captures why each and every one of us should read our Bibles every single day, Mm. among other things, but also because namely, the Bible is how we come to know God and his perfect will. Mm. And the problem that many of us encounter when we read our Bibles or when we hear a statement like that is that we treat scripture like an encyclopedia or a magic eight ball. Because that's the kind of answer we want. Yes, exactly. And of course, it doesn't take much of reading scripture to discover that's not how God intended his word to be treated or read. Mm -hmm. To that point, you've all probably heard the story about the man who was really struggling, who decided to open his Bible to a random page and drop his finger on a verse and do whatever it said. And uh, this guy does that, his verse, 
It's Matthew 27, 5. It's where his finger goes. And of course, Matthew 27, 5 says, then Judas hanged himself. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. So the man thought, that's not right. Let me try again. So he does the same thing. Let's the Bible fall open, puts his finger on a random verse. This time it's Luke 10, 37. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh boy, this is, this is trouble. So once more, he says to himself, this cannot be right. I'm going to do this ritual one last time. <laughs> Does it again? His finger lands on John thirteen thirty seven. Whatever you're about to do, do it quickly. So, like, <laughs> that's not good. I mean, it could have been about circumcision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have been worse in it a certain could, manner. It could have could have gone to that passage in Galatians where Paul says, "I wish you'd go emasculate yourself," <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is not good. Uh, I like that it's called a ritual because it's like, yeah, that's that's what you're doing. That's dude. it. That's exactly right. Yeah, this is this is practically witchcraft or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, so obviously that's a joke, but it makes the point. You know, God's mm. book isn't an instruction manual with an index, so to speak. Right? You read the Bible. You discover that God has given us a book with stories and songs, poems, proverbs, letters, apocalyptic literature, which is weird, you know, (laughs) all of this to form us into a particular kind of people. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul gets at how scripture reading works when he told his young protege, Timothy, think over what I say. And as you think, the Lord will give you understanding, Hmm. right? So in, in other words, it's not like you to your point earlier, pose a specific question like, should I take job A or B? Yeah. And then kind of like treat your Bible like magic dice or an eight ball. Exactly, yeah. And then, oh, there's my answer. It's job A, right? It's a book full of those stories, songs, proverbs, all the all the rest that you have to think over. Mm-hmm. And as you're thinking over it, the Lord is giving you an understanding that shapes you into a particular kind of person who knows how to live the Christian life, mm-hmm. who can try to discern you know, oh, like, well, maybe both job A and job B are great options and I just need to pick one. Or maybe it's going to become obvious, oh, no, job A is going to get me into some ethical quandaries if I take it. Yeah. And job B won't. Therefore, I'm going to take job B. Mm-hmm. But all that is to say is that in order to understand who God is and what his perfect will for you and for all his people is, in order to receive the Bible for what it is, which is the word of God given to equip us for every good work, you have to read it with faith. And by faith, I mean wholehearted dependence and reliance on Christ, which is a very different way of reading it than the magic index or, (laughs) you know, there's a sense in which I almost don't even like that kind of cheeky acronym where it's like the Bible is your basic instructions (sighs) before leaving earth. You know what I mean? I want to die. Yeah, it just, I think it puts you in the wrong mindset for reading. On a lot of levels. Yeah, because there are lots of people who read the Bible and aren't changed by it. Sure. I mean, there are biblical scholars aplenty who know this book better than any of us, and yet it's not actually helping them in the slightest because they're not reading it the way God intended it to be read. Because, I mean, first and foremost, they're not reading it as if they are hearing the very voice of God in the words of Scripture. Mm. And Jesus himself said, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life. Right? So you could take that like, oh, I find all the answers I need. I'll get all that fun stuff. But Jesus goes on to say, yet it is they that testify about me, but you do not come to me that you may have life. So, like, there's this underlying point of scripture, which is it's meant to bring you to Jesus. You're meant to hear Christ in this book. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he does tell you, like, here's how the Christian life ought to be lived. And exactly. Here's how you ought to do this stuff. But yeah, of course, you can't divorce it from that. And interestingly, as Paul says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of Christ. So, like, mm-hmm. these things are all married. Yeah. You can't it ties it right back divorce them from each other. And it, it's even interesting, I think, to note 
that not only is Scripture testifying to Christ, but it is the very voice of Christ. Because you get Paul saying in places like Ephesians 2, Christ came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And he's writing that to the Ephesians. Mm. Which is interesting because Jesus never once went to Ephesus during his earthly ministry. <laughs> and yet Paul's saying, well, Christ came and preached to you. Yeah. And so then, you know, if you're reading that, the question is, how in the world did Christ do that? He did it through Paul's or, you know, Paul hadn't been to Ephesus yet at that point. But through someone else's preaching of the gospel, of mm. scripture. Like Christ is speaking when that happens. Right. So you have to keep all those together if you're going to understand Scripture rightly, and then from there, actually understand what it means to know God's perfect will and discern what is good, what is acceptable, perfect and pleasing to him, to quote Romans again. Yeah. There's this convention in game design called the Golden Path. I I promise this is going to come full circle. (laughs) I know it's a really weird left turn. But like generally speaking, it's a term often used to describe the most like ideal direct fat-free way to make your way. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> That's like, good. That's it's good. just how you get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. The most perfect way to skip all the levels in Super Mario Brothers. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, okay, yeah. So let's say I'm in a, in a cave in Skyrim, a, mm. a likely scenario in my yes, life. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and of course, I want to reach the end of this cave. I want to claim the loot or do whatever there is to do. But on the way, there's going to be all these little nooks and offshoots and side tangents. Basically, you're going to see the thin, thinly, thinly veiled example here. Decisions I can make that lead me to dead ends. Mm -hmm. Unnecessary, unless you want to be a completionist. (laughs) Not useful in real life. (laughs) Um, But if I know what I'm doing, I'll know the exact most straightforward path I need to take to reach the end. That's the golden path, the most ideal route. No mistakes. But growing up, (laughs) this is also (laughs) what I imagine God's will to be. Which is not helpful. <laughs> There's this really hyper-detailed, specific plan. Exactly one one option available. And it might include light topics like a vacation spot. Not that I was making those decisions as a child, but <laughs> my family was. Who to invite for dinner or, you know, simple yeah. things. Or like really, really heavy things later on, like where to go to school or what job to take. Yeah, Big life decisions where God has this one specific thing picked out for you, one correct decision. I just, yeah, I hope you get it right, you know? <laughs> Good luck. Um, so it, it like it makes him like the IRS. Like you owe the money, but they're not going to tell you how much. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you have to figure it out, buddy. But they'll know if you're wrong, of course. Oh yes, and that means right. trouble. <laughs> but it's a secret, so that's fun for for no one. But I grew up thinking that like God made this perfectly curated plan, but yeah. He kept it a secret. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. secret thing, and you just have to figure it out. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm not aware if anyone has has successfully replicated the wet wool experiment <laughs> from judges, but I tried yeah. as a child because as a child oh, yeah. I was very concerned. Right? I was yeah. Very concerned about this perfect singular path. Yeah. It didn't work. Just yeah. a spoiler there. I could not. I, and boy, it's not like I had a lack of faith either, <laughs> nor a lack I of concern. I believe. <laughs> but. I just have difficulty buying the the hyper-specific, like, secretive golden path idea of God's will. And especially when you try to, like, roll the dice to figure it out. I kind of favor a view that I I think echoes a little bit more of of what your professor was pointing to and and what you've described, that, like, God's will is before us. It's not a a secret. It's not written in code. And we have a tome of examples that show us 
how God's people are meant to live, how we conduct ourselves, how we pray. Because I certainly don't want this to sound like I'm shrugging that off, like it's not important. Right. Absolutely. But it also shows us like behavior and decision making, the things we should exhibit that like promotes the flourishing life and the bearing of good fruit. To not like treat the Bible as a modern instruction manual that gives us magic eight ball answers. <laughs> but like it's an inspired resource that that hopefully like transforms us as little decision making creatures. Yes. You know? yes, exactly right. Yeah, and I think that's the that really is an exhausting place to yeah. live where you think, oh gosh. Yeah. Like there's here's I have path A, B, and C in front of me. And God if I pick the wrong one. Yeah. And we're talking about, I think, in a situation where it's not ob- like I'm talking about like, oh path D is like Commit adultery and do all that. Like, okay, yeah, like we know. No, I love the job example you gave earlier. Yeah, because it's right. like your your convictions, the way that you have been formed through Scripture, that's guiding the decisions that you're making that are honoring to God. Right. Yes, but then like that, sweating it out on like, oh my gosh, like A and B, maybe we're both great options. They might be great yeah. options. Yeah, and, but then you're like sweating because you're like, well, I don't know if I picked exactly. Like, here's the, if God wanted you to know that, he would tell you, yeah. right? And is the assumption, am I going to derail God? Is that what right. I... Right, yes, and that's the whole thing. It's like, uh-oh, I've thwarted God's plan. Like Exactly. <laughs> do you, like, I mean, do we think that, if I could put it this way, almost like that highly of our yeah. ourselves? Yeah, like, exactly. oh, yeah. Like, Satan couldn't thwart God's plan. Do I think I can? <laughs> you know? And I mean that as a source of comfort, I hope. No, absolutely. Me too. You know? I hope, like, that, I hope yeah. that comes across. I'm not trying to be like, uh, I'm not you know, saying it doesn't matter. Good luck. Right. Yeah. As in like make every decision haphazardly, you yeah, know, like not. you should be formed by scripture and mm. do pray about it. You know, like yeah, you may definitely. get a sense like, no, I think this is, this is the one I, you know, yeah. I mean to use kind of almost a cliche, but like I feel the most peace about this decision and it's not violating any scriptural exactly. commands. We have plenty of examples of like God's people praying for direction, praying for guidance. And I think like absolutely do the same. Yeah. I'm actually just now thinking of Acts 15.8 where the Jerusalem council, I think it's Acts 15.8. It's Acts 15. I'm <laughs> blurring on the verse now, but where they say in a letter they wrote to the Gentile churches, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Mm-hmm. As in, like, there's nothing that's, like, barred us from doing this. Exactly. And I think that's a lot of how we ought to think about Scripture informing us on God's will mm-hmm. and laying it out for us. I think the way they said that, it really does speak to, you know, the mundane life. It's like, yeah, yeah that feels very true. Right, right. So, yeah, I guess all that is to say is if you want to know God's perfect will, and if you do want to know how you ought to be shaped as far as your marriage, your job, your parenting, whatever. Yeah. You will find the way of wisdom in Scripture. But in the end, I think it's apropos to mention that all of that wisdom will not profit you at the end of your life unless you've come to Christ by faith and unless you've heard his voice in this book and then in humility made yourself willing to say yes to everything he says. Yeah, so that's at least one reason, I think, you know, read your Bible today and every day for all your days. So anyway... Thanks, as always, for listening here. I hope you did find this somewhat encouraging and helpful. If you did and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, we won't go looking for any Magic 8-Ball reviews. but We'll just be thankful. Yeah, we will. We will be thankful. So if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can, as always, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. But thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm